Today's Daily DVR Dive into True Detective is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. Go to Cufflinks.com all month long and get 30% off NCAA and NFL football merchandise by using code FOOTBALL30. That's 30% off your favorite NFL team. Who are you rooting for? You know, I'm a Jets fan. So, of course... I want the cufflinks.com jet stuff. You might be a fan of another team. Of course, that team is not going to be the New England Patriots, but it'll be Mike, another team like maybe the Minnesota Vikings, the Atlanta Falcons, a team like that. That would be great. Just not the New England Patriots. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, go to cufflinks.com slash DVR and use code DVR20 and get 20% off your order. No minimum. That's our code, DVR20, so use that. But all month long, you can use code FOOTBALL30 and get 30% off NCAA and NFL merchandise at cufflinks.com. Upgrade your style. Upgrade your look. When you walk out of your house, look good and feel good. Also, go to Daily DVR on Facebook. Look it up. It's a Facebook group. And join our NFL Pick'em, and you could win some stuff from cufflinks.com. All right, let's get on with the show. Today is Wednesday, January 16th, 2019, and this is Daily DVR Covers True Detective, baby. All right, welcome back, everyone, to Daily DVR. Today, I've got a special guest. His name is Heath Solo. What's up, buddy? What's up, my brother from another mother or the same mother? It's two... Two detectives, me and you, doing True Detective. <laughs> yeah, we're back. This is going to be a lot of fun. We'll be here every Wednesday covering True Detective. Um, I just finished watching the episode. I know you watched it earlier, but before we get to the goodness, I just want to remind everyone you can find us at DVR Podcast. You can email us, dvrpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DVR Podcast and become a patron and get the show on Tuesday and Thursday at patreon.com slash DVR, baby. So now let's get on to it. On Wednesdays, we're just going to talk True Detective, nothing else. Solo, we just watched the episode today. I'm not going to do a recap like we do on podcast Winterfell. I'll do a little introduction to the show tonight. And then I think we're just going to talk points and we'll kind of go through the story. And kind of like this show, we'll just rely on our memories to guide us on a journey of discovery, baby. <laughs> well, well, my memory's starting to go uh, later in life. Oh, no, that's the show. Um, I, before we start, since, since this is our first official True Detective podcast for season three, a uh, quick overview on your feelings of season one and two, uh, because it has been a few years yes. since uh, yep. we got a season. So it'd be nice to kind of, I mean, I pretty much know what you're probably going to say, but for our listeners and new listeners, um, we had season one that, you know, the prime players were Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson season. And that took place in Louisiana where Donald is not near Nolens and the I, and the Bayou, and then season two was more L.A. Yep. modern. Uh, Vince Vaughn, Colin Farrell, um, Taylor Kitsch, and uh, Rachel McAdams. So it was a bigger cast. Um, and then, of course, season one did the timeline thing. They did a past and present. Uh, season two was just one, correct? Yes. Just one timeline. Yes, it was. Okay. It was. Um, if I remember correctly, there were elements of. 
a time jump, I think, within it, if I remember correctly. Uh, but I'm not quite sure. But it, no, it didn't deal with time in the same way that this season three and season one. These are much more of a pair than season two. Right, right. You know? Yeah, I, it almost feels like this is season two. It does. And the, <laughs> it does. And season two and and the real yeah. season two felt like like a, a, a just a, sh- a quick movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. I I mean I'll uh, so yeah I'll get into it. Um, I mean obviously we loved season one and we talked about it a lot on I think the film list. And I don't know if at some point somebody, Alex or someone, had a True Detective podcast. Maybe it was Matt. I don't know. I just remember us talking a lot about it. And um, season two was definitely a departure. But I have to say that I actually really liked season two. I, Me and you were the only two. Yeah. I, I mean, actually, I had you know a couple of issues, but I really liked season two and everyone was bashing it. But I'm with you. I enjoyed season two. It was it's no season one, but I felt it was so different yeah. that it kind of, you know. Well, that's um, the thing, right, Solo, is that when somebody tells me that it's an anthology, I expect a totally new show. So I got what I was expecting. I didn't expect it to be directly like the first season. It's an anthology. It's new, it's totally new cast and a new story. So I thought that if you if that series was called L.A. Nights, you know what I'm saying? And it was a, right. it was a one, <laughs> one season series for HBO, it would probably be remembered as like a kind of like a little bit of true detective-ish knockoff that didn't do too well but had some famous people in it and was actually pretty good. I mean, I still remember that unbroken shot with Colin Farrell, the raid at the house. I mean, oh, yeah. there was a lot of stuff in that. I thought Rachel McAdams, it's when I f- kind of discovered what a great actress she was. Uh, you know, I don't know. I really liked it for what it was. It was just much more Michael Mann than it was kind of uh, mm. Southern Gothic. You know, it was a different feel. And I guess me and you too, I dig L.A. stories. So I kind of like that L.A. noir thing. So mm-hmm. I dug it. I just want to go back to if you called it L.A. Nights. <laughs> like, <laughs> Axel Foley presents L.A. Nights, a new series on an HBO. <laughs> call, call, but it's it's Nights with a K, right? It's like modern. Yeah, that's you know, L.A. LA Martin Lawrence Nights. Um, L.A. Nights. That's, I don't know. I think you. So I think you and I kind of felt the same, which is I liked season one. It was deeper. It had more of a thematic resonance and this mystery, this mythos to it. But Mm -hmm. season two was cool. And it had that kind of like um, almost uh, – I thought – I think in many ways it was trying to be kind of like um, Chinatown, the series, you know? It had had that Chinatown vibe to it. Uh, But I like – how about you? What, What were your feelings? Well, no, yeah, season one, I was, I was hook, line, sinker right away, and I'm, I'm a big McConaughey guy, so I was, uh, I was hooked, and of course, I love Woody, um, but I was hooked in that, and then I actually was pleased with the ending because I really thought like a major character was going to die, and I really wanted to see some sort of resolution, and I think the way they 
wrapped it up. I really enjoyed it. But then, you know, I'm looking forward actually to going back and actually doing a rewatch because I'd like to see it now that it's been several years. Um, so yeah, season one just, I just really, cause they had you like off balance thinking, wait a minute, maybe, uh, like I had me thinking like Matthew McConaughey's character was gonna be the killer or so he wasn't yeah, right. Yeah. Like, yeah. like it, 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 it had me going. Um, season two, I felt that I thought there were a lot of great, uh, moments and some things felt a little rushed uh, here and there. Uh, like when they rescue the girl from that like sex party, that seemed too convenient. But 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 yeah. like you know, I only you know it was like stuff like that to push the plot along. And then the reveal who was behind a few things was like maybe a character you didn't see a lot. So I, it was kind of like okay. But all in all, I really enjoyed it and I loved the ending. The only thing is, I ask you, Axel, and again. There, it, this will be spoilery for season two. So if you haven't seen season two, um, you know, just forward about a, a minute or two. But when at the end of the second episode, when Colin Farrell's character gets shot and you think he's dead, you're like, there's no way he can survive. Had they killed off his character after two episodes, would that have made the series better, you think, in other people's <laughs> eyes? Or not? Because yeah. I actually, I actually enjoyed his character throughout this, and I was kind of like, I was would have, I was really upset. But I think if it did happen, I would have been like, wait a minute, oh my god, that was bold. And I, I almost want to think that the people who didn't like this season might have liked it more. But I thought, what we would have lost. I think a lot of good stuff in the season because I, I really enjoyed following his character. What What are your thoughts? I think some people may have liked that more if only for not being tricked. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. so I think that the character I really enjoyed and I feel like people who liked the series liked his character. I think it was, I think most people had a problem with the Taylor Kitsch character in that in that mm. show, even though I really didn't, I thought it was pretty good. But um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, either way, it would have been okay with me. I just was along for the ride. <clears throat> Excuse me, and that's the way I felt with this one. You know, uh, similarly, I didn't do a ton of research going in um, because I want to be taken on a journey. I just want it to open and and and, and say to myself, "Am I falling into this world?" You know. So, right. um, I, I, I remember us talking about that. And for me, I believe it was more of a feeling of like, it would have been ballsy for them to do it. But in the end, now years later and thinking about that whole series, the thing I remember most about it is, uh, Colin Farrell's character, even though I love Rachel McAdams, I thought he was great in that. Yeah. I mean, especially, I mean, the taking the brass knuckles to the guy, you know, the way he dealt with his son. Like, it was yes. just, he was such a flawed character. It was weird. Like, he wasn't yep. your typical hero. He loved his Johnny Walker Blue, you know. <laughs> yeah, that bar he kept on going to. Right. Yeah, the Twin Peaks bar. Yep, yeah. The Twin Peaks bar in LA, the uh, pop up bar. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, I think we're on the same page. Um, so yeah, so why don't we, uh, you want to dive in? Yeah, let's the do first it. Two episodes. Let's do it. So um, I'm just going to do a little bit of a brief 
setting the stage. So basically what we have here uh, is a story about a man, really, uh, Mahershala Ali as Wayne Hayes, haunted by an unresolved case, a retired detective from Northeast Arkansas, figuratively goes back in time 35 years to re-examine the evidence with the aid of a true crime documentary filmmaker. Um, so there is basically dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 that's kind of the explanation. And I have kind of all the characters here that I'll go through, but for those who are watching, what we're seeing here is a case of a girl and a boy who go missing. And over the course of 35 years from 1980 to 1990 and then 2015, we're seeing the character of Wayne Hayes in those three time periods when he was a young um, state uh, detective. Then in, in 1980, 1990, he's a bit older now. He's married to the teacher of Will, one of the missing kids, and she's written a book about this case. And we find out that it is being reopened as the person they have charged with the death of the young girl. And what's the young girl's name again? Do you remember? The uh, the one that went missing? Yeah, the little girl. Um, Julie? Okay, Julie, Julie and Will. Julie yes. and Will. Will and yeah. Julie. Will Byers. Oh, no, that's Stranger Things. <laughs> Will Purcell and Julie Purcell. And Julie Purcell. Will and Julie Purcell. She's written a book about it. And then we have uh, 2015, where... Um, Wayne is being interviewed by a documentary filmmaker. And it's funny that it is kind of, there's a lot of, I felt a lot of Netflix vibe, like stranger things, um, how to make, uh, making a murderer. It was like, I was like, am I watching Netflix or HBO? But so we have these three different time periods and, uh, we kind of go back and forth and learn about it there. So that's kind of the setting of the show. And what, I mean, you, you sound like you want to talk about something right away. What's on your mind? Oh, no, I, uh, you know, when we were on, uh, when I was on a couple podcasts ago, I was talking about my obsession with true crime podcasts and stuff and documentaries. It is funny how, and I, and I think it's, it, 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 with the times, this makes a lot of sense that the third storyline of this season is 2015. And now it's like, uh, you know, all these, uh, like making a murderer and, yep, and yep. you know, all these podcasts, serial, Helen gone, all these different podcasts now are so big. And then even when, uh, the host of the documentary show is online and she's, they, they kind of go over it a little bit. And, um, uh, uh, Hayes is kind of like, what, you know, what are they doing online? Like, he doesn't really know, like, how we have these online web sleuths that think they can solve a crime, you know, just by, you know, sitting by their computer. And, uh, you know, and he's do- he's done real detective work in a time where technology wasn't available in 1980, even down in the 90s. You know, it's like, but everyone now, if you have a Wi-Fi connection and free time, think they can solve cases yep. that professionals can't. So I like that dynamic, especially with my obsession of it. Um, <laughs> that I'm actually going through. I mean, I don't go online to try to solve. I just let other people do that, and I just listen. Um, but I, I kind of like that dynamic, and I'm, you know, I'm eager to see where all the pieces, you know, come together. Because 
there's the one uh, podcast um, out of Atlanta. Uh, it, it's it's uh, oh shoot. Uh, they did they did a podcast and they actually solved well they actually got the suspects because they started investigating it uh, and then they did a show on oxygen uh, why I've been listening to this podcast for a while up and vanished it's called okay um, this Payne Lindsay is the host and, and uh, it, they're out of Atlanta and uh, they did you know their first season they did a girl who went. Uh, you know, uh, disappeared in a small Georgia town, Osceola, Georgia. And then when they started kind of diving in, they eventually, after 12 years, people started getting up, giving up information and whatnot. So, so I wonder if they're going to go that route. Like, is this documentary going to help or is it just going to, you know, make people mad? You know, so it, 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 it's interesting. Uh, it'll be interested to see if they uh, pull it off. Well, that's kind of – that's a big question that I have after two episodes, which is that the first episode was – now, most of what we've seen so far, I would say about 75% of what we've seen so far takes place in 1980. Right. And um, then I would say uh, about – maybe a little bit more in 1990 – then 2015, a little bit more, um, but not too much more. Maybe towards the second episode, a little bit more in the uh, 2015 era. But I feel mm -hmm. like because they keep on talking about 1990, that by the third, fourth, fifth episode, we're going to have whole episodes in the 1990 time period. Do you feel that way as well? Yes, because, you know – they they really have really hit on that 1990 uh, Hayes leaving the force with what yep, happened. Yep. Something it's, happened with the with Julie and her dad. Something happened yeah. with him and his wife. Something happened. It seems like maybe with his daughter too. Big time. And and in 2015, he's for, it's like almost like he's forgetting things. I mean, his son yeah. is there and try and he's like, you know, where's Rebecca? You know, she's in LA. Really? Oh, we should have her here for yes. vacation. And he's like, so there's something that he's not remembering about, you know, the daughter. big thing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm eager to find out what that is. Um, and I'm sure, uh, we'll have some theories about that or, you know, we start percolating, um, some answers, but, uh, Whatever that means, percolating answers, a new <laughs> vocabulary here on the DVR podcast network. But but I like that. <laughs> I like that they've plotted. They they've thrown a lot of stuff out there. And as smart viewers, especially my wife, she she picks up on everything. And sometimes I have to pause. Okay, what just happened? Because I'm I'm just I'm kind of tired. And she's like, Are you Are you even what? Do you want me to podcast for you? I'm like, So she helped me out with a few things tonight. I'm like, Oh really? I'm like, Oh my See, god! I'm, I'm, getting... I'm like, Yeah, I'm kind of like laying back, and I'm picking up stuff as we're talking about it, and I'm thinking about it. And as I'm watching it, I'm picking up little clues here. Like one thing I noticed is that. The girl had drawn pictures of what of those dolls, and he looks at those pictures in her room, and then he puts them down. They're near like the um, the artist uh, easel in her room, mm -hmm. and she, it's a picture of like a man and a woman getting married, but it looks like those dolls, and it's in some place. So I think they're going to come back to that. But mostly, oh. what I've kind of and what I wanted to kind of talk about just to 
to kind of start it off was just the overall tone and feel. This episode, both of these episodes were written by Nick Pizzolatto, who wrote the first two seasons of True Detective. And both of these episodes are directed by Jeremy Soliner, who is one of my favorite directors. He directed Green Room, one of the best films of the past five or ten years. Watch it if you haven't mm. seen it. He's a great director. Uh, he just did Hold the Dark on Netflix. Uh, oh, that just yeah, came yeah, out. Yeah, I don't see yeah. Uh, yeah he, he, and he actually, I believe that he left True Detective... He only directed, I think, four episodes. He was, I think he was going to direct the whole season, but he left because he got the chance to direct Hold the Dark for Netflix. So he actually directed these episodes before he did that movie, is my understanding. Um, but okay. I just felt there was so much great cinematography, so many beautiful shots, oh, yeah. whether it's that oh. it, keep on shooting either the sun or the moon or a light. There's constantly some light coming from above, like the right side of the screen, upper right side. There's some light coming in that's shining. There was that beautiful shot mm -hmm. with, with all of the, um, uh, the mist while they're looking for the kid. And when they're driving around, just the sets, all the care and the production design of the different decades is amazing. The way that the way that uh, their the costumes, the makeup. I just wanted to take a second to just say that after watching it initially, and I just finished like a half hour ago before we started. I just thought that these two episodes were fantastic, and with regardless of whether this is true detective season three or just a new show or it's an anthology, whatever, this was two hours of fantastic television. And I absolutely loved it. I don't know what your just immediate impressions of the overall thing are solo. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, no, I I'm with you. I loved these two hours and we've gotten to a point where I feel that I'm okay. I don't need back. And this goes back of my lesson learned of Game of Thrones season one finale when we did the uh, podcast on the film list and you know we made the joke like like I didn't know if I I didn't like the finale at first and everyone and Donald's like you don't need explosions to have a great finale <laughs> you know and then I kind of went back and I'm like oh my god there was so much more in this finale and it kind of opened my eyes so even down to great shows that you know what. Because I watch, you know, a lot of uh, British shows, shows from Sweden, all over, where the character building in the first couple of episodes, a lot might not happen, but there's a lot of great detail, and they're building yeah. the characters. Like I just started watching Big Little Lies, and not a whole lot happens in the first, like not a whole lot of amazing, but the character build up in the first two episodes, it's slow, but it's so interesting. And yes, this, it, it's not really slow. It, it, it's it, it's got a certain pace, but you're drawn in. I mean, I mean the characters are awesome, and I love this shot where um, Hayes is standing on the bridge and he's looking over yes, the, the river. It's beautiful, and then it comes back like, and then the detail, and you knew when the kids are on their bikes and they're passing witnesses, and they got some slow mo, and just it's very detailed, and I love direction that every shot you know again every shot there's a purpose it's not oh just shoot that like this there's there's so much creativity behind it that and that's why like like 
an example like why I love Shape of Water so much. I was thrown into this world with the colors and the way it was shot mm-hmm. that I was really into it. And that's um, what with with True Detective. But even if it was called, you know, like like uh, you know Arkansas Days instead of L.A. Nights, <laughs> like I still would. Um, it, you're right. It just aesthetically was just so pleasing and exactly what I wanted. And you know, of course, um, I, again. How do you, is it Marisala Ali? Is that how you pronounce Mahershala. it? Pronounce? Uh, Mahershala. Mahershala. Mahershala Ali, yeah. sorry. Uh, he's so amazing. <laughs> My God. Yeah, this guy, fantastic. I mean, he, I mean, I don't know if he has much of a Southern accent, but <laughs> maybe it's a little there. <laughs> but, but I'm just, um, I mean, I, I'm eager to learn about the mystery. But also, like, even the 2015 stuff of him later in life, probably in his 70s or whatever, I'm just, I, I'm just in awe how I, I, his performance is Emmy worthy already. Yes. And, I, you know, and, and it's good to see Stephen Dorff. Stephen Dorff's oh, playing a good man. character. Dude, doesn't he remind you? I've always liked you? that dude. He is fantastic in this. And I really loved him in the Sofia Coppola movie Nowhere. You know, oh, where, yeah. where they're just hanging out at that hotel. What's that hotel, though? Uh, the Chateau Marmont in mm-hmm. uh, in L.A., right? And uh, he was great yeah. in that. And that I wanted to talk to you about him because he's a great example of something we talk a lot about, Solo, is we have such a cult of personality in this country and of celebrity that people forget that acting is a craft and an art. And when you've been acting for 40 years – like Steven Dorff has been doing, you know, for 30, mm-hmm. 40 years. This character is immediately alive and has a backstory and you believe him. And it took me 10 minutes to convince myself that that was Steven Dorff. I, I was right, like, right. that's somebody else. He looks like they, they, there's the details of this show and this production are so amazing. The way his hair is kind of dyed in that just for men 80s style. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of like sun bleached, right? Like he saw it on yep. TV. Like his name should be like Chet or something like Chet Hunt <laughs> is his name. Chet you know? Hunt in LA and yes. Arkansas days. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Like it's, it's, it's got this kind of. He's got this vibe to him and even like the conversation that they have um, about race where he gets mad at him. It's there's such complexity in these characters and Steven Dorff is amazing. Um, I I mean, I could go on and on. I think they're using different textures. I don't know if they're using different film stock, but they're definitely using different lenses and the focus is softer and harder during different time periods. Uh, Mm -hmm. the colors Mm -hmm. are more drenched in the eighties, in the nineties. It's a little bit clearer that the 2015 stuff has got such a clean lens and such a hard focus on it that you can tell the time period just by the kind of warmth and feeling of the picture and the colors and the tone. It's just absolutely amazing. But yeah, again, Steven Dorff is fantastic, man. The whole cast is great. Um, the woman who plays his wife, Carmen Ijogo, Amelia is her name. She's fantastic. Her opening scene when she's reading that poem, right away you know that's important. 
Right, right. You know, where they're – it's another – they're – instead of having Matthew McConaughey spew – all of this philosophical kind of mumbo jumbo, which I loved in season one. They're doing that same thing here through her little poem, through a little conversation they have about hunting, right? Through Mm -hmm. different little conversations, they're bringing up these kind of topics. What do you name the world? Or, you know, when is it, I feel, he he said something like, I feel like I'm, I'm, I don't know. It, it was some juxtapositional phrase. He was like, I feel like I want to escape, but I can't get there yet. Or something weird, like weird statements like that. Uh, the, mm-hmm. whole, the whole show, Scoot McNary, he's fantastic, dude, as the father. Oh, who, what has he been in before? Um, he is. You know of him? Yeah, he's been in a ton of stuff, but he was in the AMC. Uh, what was that AMC show about the internet? Uh, people are going to be like, actually, you should know that show. I watched like four seasons of it, but he's been in a ton of different stuff. Um, Yeah, because he's fantastic, especially when he's in, when he comes back to work and everyone's staring at him. Yes. And and, and just his performance, I'm just like, this dude, like, because, you know, I I don't recognize him. I, I, I didn't see that show. And I probably, if I go look on his IMDb, I'm sure I've seen him in something. Um, but I was like, dude, that, like, I'm drawn to him as well. He's just, I mean, because, you know, he's Halt and Catch Fire. great actors. That's halt it. and Catch Fire. Okay. Yes. I didn't see that. But he holds his own, like, probably even more, you know, <laughs> like, he's, he's definitely, uh, I was very attracted to his character in the sense of uh, his performance, just, you know, really took me in i was like this dude's good i hope there's a lot of them he's very oh go i'm sorry go ahead oh no 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 i'm I'm good good. i I was just gonna say he's really good at playing a um kind of not pitiful man like he's never totally pitiful but he's good at playing that kind of downtrodden like he was in Halt and Catch Fire, where his wife kind of bossed him around. And in this one, too, you have uh, Mamie Gummer, who you know that's Meryl Streep's daughter. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, real quick. Oh, that's right. He was. Uh, She's not the one of, from uh, Mr. Robot. Okay. See, th- okay. This was going to be you, you stepped on my uh, okay, big sorry. reveal. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. So I thought Grace Gummer. I thought I didn't know there was another Gummer, yeah. a street kid. Okay, so I, I looked it up and I go, "Mammy Gummer." I'm like, "What?" And then I'm looking and I'm like, "Okay, well, maybe what else is she?" And then so I always thought Grace Gummer was in The Good Wife, but it was her, Mammy Gummer. Yes. And then the uh, and then and then the extent and uh, uh, like you said, uh, Mr. Robot, Mr. Robot is Grace Gummer. Is Grace. Yeah. So yeah. And, <laughs> so She's this like was taller, my big reveal. I think, I think Grace is yeah. like taller. That's the way okay. I kind of, they look but, very similar though. Yeah. So I, this whole time I thought, I'm like, oh, Grace comes in the good wife too. Wow. Okay. But it wasn't her. Yeah. It was dude. her sister. So I'm like, Jesus, we were overrun by streeps. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, yeah, Scoot McNary, he was in, uh, Fargo. I didn't realize yes, he was yes. in a couple of, so that's where I know yep. him from. Yeah. Um, he's fantastic. Just the casting. This is just, across the board, high quality television. And just like you were saying, the care and detail in the way that it was shot, Salinger just shoots things differently. Like when there's four people in a room, 
He just takes a different angle on each person while still maintaining the sense of the room that there's like three different scenes where there's four people talking in a room, which is sometimes kind of hard to shoot, uh, especially when there's not a main person, like one person's talking to everyone. And there's also a lot of care that's taken in the, in the kind of racial framing. Like you notice the way that people look at, um, uh, at, uh, whatchamacallit, at Stephen Dorff more than they look at Mahershala Ali. And when, when mm-hmm. he tells the cops to go and do something, they kind of look for a second and then they do it. But when Stephen Dorff, they're already moving while he's talking, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, and we see these things. And then when they have that conversation in the car where Stephen Dorff is like, come on, man, who are you talking to? Like, you know, your people, your tribe. And then I'm thinking to myself, there's so many, so much depth here. They're all, they're detectives, they're cops, but they're also Vietnam vets. They're soldiers. Right. But then here mm-hmm. in this situation, Stephen Dorff doesn't get, this is not 2015 where the woman talks about the racial injustice of the, you know what I'm saying? Of the patriarchy and all that. This is a different time. Uh, There's just so much depth in this show, man. It's fantastic. Yeah. Even down to when uh, Hayes um, puts his hand, I think he he puts his hand on Tom and he's like, looks at his hand and it's almost like, you know, he doesn't say nothing, but it's like, you know, he wants to say, you know, take your hand off me, boy. Or yep. whatever, you know, and, and and I was waiting for that. But, yeah, I sensed that because, I mean, when you think about it, 1980, an African-American cop in the South. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, my pretty uh, much- Perry said that, like, when he sees the wife, when he first has that conversation with the wife at the bar. And she mm-hmm. was like, wow, this is kind of integrated for 1980, you know. And I guess I guess that's part of the story here, which is that they're really showing us the insides of this town. Unlike season one on true detective, they're taking a little bit of the cue of season two of the, of the LA being the character in season mm-hmm. one. It was so spread out. It was kind of like all of the, this whole Bayou area It was kind of amorphous, but this is like a town. And we see that in some parts of this town, it's okay. In other parts of the town, it's not, right? right? You know what I mean? Like there's there's zones where it's okay and zones where it's not. Just like he says to her, how is it here? And she says, he says, how is it here? You know what I mean? And she's like, well, you know, sometimes it's good, but you know, some. Yeah. So very subtle, but yet you pick up on it if you're, you know, and because, you know, it's not like a big city. Where right. it would be more common. This is, you know, a, a little town in, you know, somewhere in Arkansas. And I mean, it's just, it's unfortunate with our history in our country and, uh, and, and just, you know, geographically, it's, it's all dope. But I, I like the way it's, they don't put it, in, they didn't put it in your face, uh, to make a statement. They did it subtly. Right. And you can, cause feel that's it. how you yeah, can exactly. feel it. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. You're right. So, cause that's how it would be. Right. And that's also, you're, it depends on how you're watching it too, right? That's why I mm-hmm. think the racial politics of this show, I was, I was interested in that because the first season of True Detective was set in the South, but it was starring like all white people. 
So th- oh, yeah, that's that's right. This yeah. they had like a couple of cops, but yeah, yeah it was pretty much it was white yeah, people, was you know, and it was people, a, yeah. and and they were fighting against other white people, and it was like though the backdrop of the South was there, and they talked about race in the show, and it was a p- part of it. But this is you have our lead character here, who we're going to see things through his eyes, but we're also watching it with our own like 2019 kind of uh, eyes, but it's in the past. So it's like in the different times, we we're going to obviously find it being different, you know? And it's interesting mm-hmm. how sometimes things in some places, things get better in some places, things get worse. You know what I mean? Like it might be that that town in 2015 is actually more racially divided than it was in 1980. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And and we're going to we're, huh. we're we're going to get to see it and I like the way that they slowly introduced it into the show just like you pointed out where I thought that that was going to be I thought we were going to have a, a scene within the first 5 minutes that showed us okay like I thought maybe his I thought maybe Stephen Dorff was going to be a racist, you know? But, right, right. That I was, I was with you. I yes. was waiting for something big yep. to happen. Like yep. they pull over someone, and exactly. you know, something happens. And I'm, and I'm so glad it didn't. I, I lo- you know, again, this is this show, and it's smart, and and I like having the subtleties that you have yeah. to pick up the clues. Yeah. But you really don't have to dig. You just kind of like. But I was with you going in. I kind of. Um, you know, knew that was going to be a dynamic because it's set in Arkansas. So I assumed, yep. and then up right. But yeah, they're doing it right, and uh, very, very interesting. It's just like I, I was so in the first five minutes. I, I honestly, I'm sucked in, and I like the two hours went by so fast. And I like, like I said, I like the way that they're introducing the kind of mystical, the um. Uh, kind of American folklore aspects through little little touches, you know, even the way where we end in episode two with this ransom note, the way it's in that typical cutout of a new like every eighties movie, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Like I think that there's references within the show too to other. Uh, films and television shows of the time period. And you can kind of see that. And even it's, it's self-referential in a way because the room that they're interviewing Wayne Mahershala Ali in 1990 is very similar to the room that Matthew McConaughey is being interviewed in, in the middle period or the later period of, uh, True Detective season one. Mm-hmm, it's a mm-hmm. si- very similar setup, right? And he doesn't know why he's there, and they're hiding information right, right. from him. So it's like, I there's this is really, and I think Pisolato writes like that. Like he part of this, I think, is True Detective. Like it's 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 it is self referential in a way, and I think that that's kind of cool. And he's kind of expanding on that whole like time is a flat circle type of thing and and bring and kind of branching out into the idea that time is about perspective. Yeah, you know, and as much as, you know, you could call it Arkansas Days or LA Nights or whatever, <laughs> you're right. There is that um you, you could tell it's true to t- it has those certain elements, like you said. 
uh, common themes and yeah. just, even though it's so different yet, you're right. The stuff that draws us in is the dynamics of those seasons that they kind of, the similarities that kind of pull you in. Cause it does feel to me, um, it, like, like we said, it feels more season one, but it's still, I, I do feel it's true detective. Um, even though, I mean, I guess if it was called Arkansas Days, for, as I bring it up for the 22nd time, um, I don't, I, it, we'd be like, oh, this is kind of like a true detective ripoff, like you said, you know. So, yeah. all right, a little mid ad break here for Cufflinks.com. I just wanted to remind you again that we are having a pigskin pick'em on our Facebook page. So you pick who you think's going to win this weekend, all right? This is what we got going on. We got the New England Patriots against the Kansas City Chiefs, and we got the New Orleans Saints against the L.A. Rams. You pick them, and if you pick them right, you could win a great prize from CuffLicks.com. So go to our Facebook page, Daily DVR, join up. It's it's closed, so I got to let you in, but I'll let you in if you ask. And just ask nicely, and then you can see all the great stuff we talk about on the Facebook page, all the great TV and film and geek stuff and some sports stuff as well. And you know what? Use that code FOOTBALL30 to get 30% off your order at cufflinks.com slash DVR so they know that you heard about us and them on us. Does that make sense? Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR. Use code DVR20 to get 20% off your order at any time, no minimum, and all month long get 30% off NFL and NCAA football merchandise by using the code FOOTBALL30. Now let's get back to Heath and I talking about True Detective. Let's talk a little bit about the actual mystery here. Of um, Will and Julie, is it? I'm terrible. You know, most terrible. Will and Julie, who we only see really so quick. There's nothing in one of the interesting things about these these two episodes is there's no breakaway to another story. You know what I mean? Like there's there's no mysterious guy looking at them. We're not following around another person. We don't know who they are yet. We strictly know as much as the detectives know. Mm Mm-hmm. The true detectives. Yeah, Yeah, the true detectives. Exactly. (laughs) So we don't – you know, there's not much to go on as far as guessing uh, at this point about any clues about who did it, why they did it. All we know is that the boy died – the girl lived. She's alive in the nineties, in nineteen ninety, and she some and and her father is alive too because they have a disagreement. But other than mm-hmm. that, did you pick up on anything that may? Because I right now have no idea. I I think we've yeah, yet just, to know. Just I you know I can't refer if they do they reference the person in prison who did it is a man. Did they did they um, mention that? I almost think I, they say the wrong, you know, because they're talking about, you know, why are you real? Why are you asking these questions? Oh, I think so they do I, say I, the wrong man, not the wrong person. Yeah. I do think they say right. the wrong man. That's a good point. So it is possible, uh, of course, the wrong man's in prison. But could it be, could two people be involved? We don't know. Um, and, and what's interesting is, uh, again, in the past, in True Detective, spoiler alert, it hasn't been like a hugely main character that's been the been the you know the key suspect or whatever. So, what I ask you is, do you think we've met 
the man who's in jail for allegedly for the murder? <clears throat> Excuse me. I um I don't know. I I get the feeling at different times that it's either the trash man or the dad. Oh. I think that either the See, father Scoot McNary is in jail for it or the mm-hmm. trash man is in jail for it. Yeah, our theory here in the Santazo Solo household is that the trash man's going to get arrested, okay. but he is the wrong but he is the wrong man and we're going to find out who really did it. Um I I think cuz everything's pointing to him. Uh I, I could just see those dolls show like the, yeah. the materials or whatever showing up outside his house with all the trash he collects. Um, it seems like they're pointing that way. Yeah, there was an interesting um, point to strange. Solo where he, where, when they're going into his house, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, Mahersha Ali says in the interview, he says, and you know what happened in there. Like, some, like we didn't see that yet because we just see them go into the house and leave. Oh, that's a good point. I you know, that, yeah. so that's what made me think that they found something later on. We're going to find out that while they were there, they you know he looks mm-hmm. at the picture of his family. He like there's that connection. Did he steal the kids because he lost his kids? You know what I'm saying? Like that kind of thing. Yeah, and he hasn't seen them. Like he doesn't know where they are. Yes, so exactly. that could be a big trigger. Yep. Um, and then they're kind of pointing a little bit at this. Um, Taylor Kitsch, a young Taylor Kitsch uh, oh, high yes. school kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because he's okay. Now, a lady soul, I think, picked this up. What was, do you, did you remember what he said? Because I guess his, when they're at the Devil's Den or whatever that Devil's Playground, what, what's that called? <laughs> Is it the Devil's Den? Yeah, I think it's the Devil's Den. Yeah, it. I think it was the Devil's or Den. Or whatever, the Devil's Den. I don't know why you would call it that, but when they're partying they, and he's doing tricks on a bike and then tosses the bike, that's Will's bike, correct? I think that it is. Yes. Okay. I thought yes. that it was. And, and did they say something when, when he, when the kids are passing, did, did one of the kids in the car say something about Will? Like, like, I, I, I can't remember. Um, I, I'd have to go back and look, but, um, you know, no, so, so I'm, I don't think I, so. I think that they're, I think I, I know what you're slow-mo. referencing to. Yeah. Maybe when he was on the bike, he says something about the stupid kid. I don't know what he yes, says. He was on the bike and he says the day he says, damn thing didn't work anyway. Or something like that. Damn thing. didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then he kicks the so, bike aside. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, what's, which they later find the bike. Yeah. So his again, that be could be a bike. misleading thing. Yes, yeah, it could be a misleading thing. Like the bike just happens yeah. to be there because it is later at night. That's what so, I think they're trying to do. They're trying. They're showing us yeah. these parts that later we're going to look back. So he touched the bike. Then they lie. They're going to. You know, there'll probably be some white lie that the kids didn't want to say because they're dealing drugs or they're having sex with somebody's, yeah. you know, and they didn't say, they didn't want to say it, but really they just found the bike. Okay. You're right. We found the bike and we threw it or something. We didn't know it was his bike, mm-hmm. you know, or we recognize the this, kid, you know, this K through 12 school, is it a mixed grades of people in classes? Do you know, do did you pick uh, up on that or no, cause it does know. say, K through 12, but I wasn't sure because it was so small if... No, they know, keep people in their same. I, I, I would, I would okay, most, yeah, most K through 12s, I mean, sometimes you can mix, 
but I think okay. that well, yeah, I would think by maybe a couple, maybe a yeah. couple years, if you're like a eleventh grader and you're a ninth grade reading class or something that like that way, because I, you know, I just want to know like what dynamic did um Will have with those three other kids? Like, I mean, I'm sure it's a small yes. enough school where everyone knows everyone. So again, uh, it could be, you know, are they, you know, my big, the big mystery though is now knowing about the fingerprint of the sister of Julie that she's alive. Okay, what the heck? happen with her did she have something to do with it her brother getting killed we don't know like yeah. could they i well you know it's kind of strange well I they, mean, they or, were, oh i'm sorry go ahead buddy oh no 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 oh. um I, I was saying um in, in i just want to jump on what you were saying because you were saying what happened to julie and the thing i was thinking about is Remember when they're in the kitchen, the same time where the lady, the documentarian, is telling them about how she's really interested in intersectional, racist, race in prisons or whatever. Um, she mentions that there was a lot of pedophile sex rings in the area, oh, which, right, which yes. is also kind of like both a part of True Detective 1 and 2, bit more on 1. But in two, there was the kind of orgy ring, you know, the, mm -hmm. you know, and this is the thing that's in our world, all these strange pizza gate and weirdo, like, you know, somebody's running a sec Q ad in sex ring or whatever the hell all that weird <laughs> stuff is. People love that weird, uh, like, right. you know, um, theories about that. But maybe what I was thinking is, are we going to find out something like she has to be our entry into whatever other world there is here, right? Yeah, she could be your typical victim turned that now takes other victims. Mm. Like if they're robbing that drugstore, you know what I mean? Like one of those where, you know, you, you're young <laughs> – Excuse me. You get abducted. You get you know you're a victim, and then as you get older, you recruit for the sickos. You know that, that happens a lot. And a lot of true crime and different stories that has happened a lot, where you know people have gone missing uh, for twenty, thirty years. They're still around, but they're they've got so sucked into that world now they become the predators. Right. Um, so that could be a possibility where she's passed, and maybe you know maybe. You know, something happened that, you know, there, there, there's a lot that could happen. And I like that, that we, you know, we, we got these ideas, but we we're not quite sure, but there's, there is a lot of avenues they can go, which I like. And, um, cause I, I you know, I don't want to predict it. I hate to predict everything in the first episode. Uh, so I like having the pieces, but thinking about it and it makes you think about it more too. And, um, I'm eager to find out when everything comes together, of course. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's really the thing about true detective, right? Like a lot of people got into season one saying, trying to figure out who the killer, Oh, it's Matthew McConaughey, right? Or it's this guy in the back or it's that detective. I don't feel that type of pull in this show. I didn't feel it the first season second, and I don't feel it this season. I'm not quite sure what happened here, and I wouldn't be surprised as if, as if you're talking about in season one, that we don't even see the person or persons who did this until much later, like maybe even episode six or seven, you know? I don't... It's po yeah, it's possible. Yeah. Because yeah. there's like more a, to it than just the... Um, 
because there's definitely with the characters more to what happened with you know his family and stuff, but there's a lot more. And then what happened too with uh, uh, his partner um, uh, Stephen Dorff, uh, uh, Roland West, Detective Roland West. Like what 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 did how did their relationship go? Because we haven't seen him in ninety yet. Is he alive? Yeah. Um, Wait. So, didn't you know, he you know, say so, something about him? Didn't he say, "Well, he did very well." Oh, I didn't know. the district I, I attorney might... guy? Okay, so I believe oh, that that Jim Dopkins, the private attorney, and who's who's interviewing, I think that's him, who's interviewing uh, Mahershal Ali. He he says something to him like, "Yeah, him he, and uh, uh, John Tenney from uh, my boy from uh, Brooklyn South oh, and the closer." This whole ca- <laughs> Terry every, Hatcher's husband. Every person, really, every person in this show is great casting. <laughs> like, it's just cast so well, except for Heath Solo isn't in it. That would have been the only well, thing that they're yeah. missing. But, you know, I'll be in season five. There you go. True, uh, maybe four. Maybe True Detective in Furbank. Four, <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah. you and Glenn on the case. Yeah. <laughs> Glenn, wake up. Um, That'd be awesome, man. Um, but, but you know what I real quick, what I like about this cast, I mean, uh, Mahershala Ali, of course, won an Oscar and he's big, but it's all these actors we've seen before. They're not huge, huge stars, but they're all damn good actors. And it's perfect for this because you don't want a personality, uh, aside from, uh, you know, Hayes. Okay, we got to. Fo- we're following him. We don't want it over. You know, you don't want like Tom Cruise and yes, you know exactly. Vince Vaughn and everyone in it because it it can su- a celebrity can take away from the show a little bit. And that's why I like season two because I thought it didn't, even though it was such a big. I guess for yes, season two they wanted such stacked. a big names, <laughs> yeah. but I, I I thought that yeah exactly. I mean, it was like a Batman movie in the '90s where okay we have too many villains, but. Uh, I like having that balance because sometimes, you know, you just don't need the big if 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 you don't need the big, big stars, but the recognizable faces we know, but I'm already drawn in. I'm not thinking of, oh, that's so and so playing this part. I was already like, these are the characters like I'm in. Yes. I was in right away. Every time, a, uh, every time a new character walks on the screen, I feel as though they're fully realized uh, mm-hmm. th- this. This show is definitely back to form. I've seen some people complaining and saying like, you know, I saw a tweet today and everyone has to be so blasé on the Twitter. Of course, they were like, has any show ever gone back to the well like True Detective did? Like this is just a copy of season one or whatever. It's like, look, you got a, you've got a, uh, you've got themes, you've got a, a certain tone to it, you know? I have no issues with it. I think that the story is new. I don't think this doesn't feel to me like season one. It feels like a new season, a new show. And it, yeah. the, all every part of it is just fantastic. And I'm really happy that we get to watch it. And I'm happy to be talking about it with you, my man. He's snow low. Yeah, baby. <laughs> of course. Yeah. You know, we're just, we're, we got, I, I don't know. It's just easy to criticize yeah. than to praise. Um, uh, for me, it's more fun to pray. I mean, if I, <laughs> if I don't like something, I just, you know, stop watching or don't, you know, but it, I mean, it's got, it, like I said, it has some of the season one, but I, I think it's totally different. 
Yeah. You know, you had another, another timeline. The characters are different. I, I just, it, it was, yeah, uh, I don't even want to get into it because it, it, to me, I, I, I don't think, yeah, okay, if they're going to a well of something that works, it's not, yes. it's not like they're re, they're doing the same plot. No, I, I know. It's <laughs> you so, know, it's so it's silly just the because feel. there's so much stuff yeah, on it's, TV. It's like, it's like how I feel when people complain about Westworld being, t- it's too much of a puzzle. It's like, okay, well, there's 385 other scripted TV shows for you to watch. This yeah. one is a puzzle. Okay. Yeah. This is True Detective. You wanted to watch. You tuned in for True Detective. Guess what show you got? A show called True yeah. Detective. So- exactly. Like when I tune in for <laughs> you know, when I tune in for Law and, Law and Order, I know yeah, what I'm going exactly. for. Exactly. When I tune in for True to Detective or The Wire, I know what I you know. Yes. Uh, Miami right. Vice. I know what I want. You know, it, it's whatever mood I'm in. Hell, exactly. I love Dirty John, and that's yeah. totally not in my wheelhouse. But it just I was sucked in. so let's talk a little bit um before we go oh i did want to mention that uh his son detective hayes's son whose name is henry hayes that's actually i knew i like i knew i recognized him somewhere but i was like his face it's like why do i only recognize like half his face because that's the guy who plays cyborg in, oh, that in, is uh, cyborg. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I recognize it. Was like, it was like in my mind, I was seeing his face like obscured for some reason. I was like, I remember him being like obscure. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, because he was in Cyborg, you know, and in, in, uh, whatever that movie is, the uh, DCEU extended universe. But I just wanted to mention that. But um, so that's who that is. One, okay. <laughs> one thing that we didn't talk too much about, which I wanted to talk about, is the kind of issue of memory and remembering and how he's flashing back and forth. And he, at some points he's talking like he's in 1990 and he talks right. to someone, but then, then it flashes and he's really talking to someone in 2015, you know? So the idea that we're seeing a, an unreliable narrator that we may find out that th- that events that we see in the 80s and 90s did not actually happen that way. You yeah, know? that's what I'm a little afraid of, yeah. but at the same time intrigued by, because this is from his point of view. Right. And the fact that he's crossing over, because yep. he's talking about memories are coming back, mm-hmm. but yet he doesn't remember the stuff with his daughter why she's in LA. She doesn't like it. Like, so it's like, okay, what is true and what is not? Um, so that, you know, again, perspective, you know, Steven Dorff could be this biggest, like you said, the biggest racist cop, but from his perspective, maybe he wasn't because was he always in, you know, probably not, but like stuff like that. That's a good point. I mean, the only stuff that is reliable, I guess, is stuff that he's not in from his point of view. Like, you know, when the husband goes to work and everyone's – But, uh, but is that, that though? Because the way I see oh, it – Oh, he is telling that. Yeah. Yeah. See? So I oh, feel shoot. like everything – because oh. remember, everything right, we telling- see in the 80s, he's telling – like, I shouldn't say that. Sometimes he's telling us something in the 90s – about the 80s, sometimes he's telling us something in 2017, 15, 15 yeah. about the 90s or the 80s. So oh, yeah. when okay. 
you know, it's like his memory, each one becomes progressively a little bit more cloudy, but then because of the way that memory works, certain things he does remember correctly, even though the event that happened directly after it, he may not remember. So it's, that's a great, yes, you're right. Okay. And didn't it, when I want to say in the first episode, when you first get the interview in 1990, doesn't, uh, John Tenney or, or, or mentioned something about his memory then? That, like, how's well, your memory that's, doing? That's the first time that – that's a great point, Solo, because that's the first time that we have that kind of um, time transition through audio where they he says that, but you could believe that – he was saying that to himself through his voice recorder. Oh, that's right. Yes. Right. Okay. So he, it blends both the voice of that person with his own voice. And that voice recorder is actually something very interesting that Mm -hmm. we, we only see it that one time, but how does he use this? How long has he been using it? How long has he been having problems with his memory? Right. Very memento ish. Yeah. Is it, is it, is the thing that happened in 1990 that led him to leave the force? Was it an injury, a traumatic injury? Does he lose his memory? Does it, does that come into question at some point? Mm. We don't know. Why does he have this? It seems a well-practiced thing he has with taping himself and looking at the calendar. And he looks at the, like when it's, when he says, look in your dresser, you can use that if you have to. And it's the gun, right? but we don't know what he means because Mm -hmm. it's like, why would you have to? Is he in danger or is he going to kill himself? Or is it, you know, like, God, there's so much good stuff in these. It, it, oh yeah. my God. It's very, there's all these little scenes that kind of build on this idea of, of memory, of perspective. And I think that's really what this is about. Whereas the kind of the first season was about that kind of time is a flat circle time, you know, the big, the, 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 you know, the past, present, and the future are all one. They're happening simultaneously. This has a similar type of uh, perspective, but it's so centered on the one person and the subjective idea of what he is remembering, right? And that's mm-hmm. why I mm-hmm. think that is going to be called into question. And that's why the second episode, that's towards the end of it where he has he misremembers about his daughter. You know, right. and his son gets frustrated. That's interesting. Why does his son get frustrated? Because normally, when a person is having problems like that, that's not his fault. You know what you I know, mean? Could she be? I mean, I wonder. I, probably not. I just this just thought came to me. But then, why would they say she's in L.A.? I thought, you know, maybe if she's passed or yeah, she's in that's a what coma I thought. or in a hospital or he or did something like, to her. Something he yeah. did caused the situation with her. And maybe mm-hmm. it's they have just begun to like you're saying, Solo. Maybe she's dead. Maybe she died somehow. That's what led to maybe maybe his marriage dissolved, or he seems to have this um, such a dedication towards his wife. Maybe it's based on guilt, you know. So there's a lot here that we don't know what's true and what's not. Not only in the case, but in his own life. And since he's telling us about the case, we have to call into question basically 
everything we've seen so far because it's from his perspective. Right, right. Man. Interesting stuff, baby. We're going to see. Good uh, stuff. Is there, is there anything you yeah. wanted to uh, – anything else you want to cover before we hightail it out of here, brother? No, I think uh, a good uh, – for the first pod, uh, we got a lot of, you know – with the irons in the fire yeah, and a lot baby. of good things to unravel throughout this season. And I, I'm looking forward to this ride, baby. Yeah. So thank you solo. This has been great. And yeah, we'll just kind of, I like this format where we just kind of go around and talk about, cause I kind of feel like that's we covered everything. St- yeah. Yeah. It, it, that's how we operate. We, yeah. we do better. Loose structure is better for us because we'll hit everything <laughs> and we'll get to it. You know, plus it's less work we have to do. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, yeah. I like it that way. I don't like full recaps and uh, we don't need to recap. Everyone's seen it. We just kind of dive in, baby. Yeah, and, that's uh, true, man. That is so. true. We just got to dive in. Well, I did want it before we go. Um, I uh, I want to read an email that I got from Andy, who who okay. had a, a, the, his shortest feedback ever. He says, "So uh, <laughs> I honestly almost uh, turned it off." He's talking about True Detective because I asked people to write in. He said, "I honestly almost turned it off in the first ten to fifteen minutes, not because it was bad, because it seemed a little too real. Uh, the boy at the beginning hit me hard." Um, I used to be one of those guys who rolled their eyes when someone said having kids changes you, but the kids disappearing really got to me. Uh, I think it's solely because I was wondering what would happen if it was my son. I think this Mm. is the first thing I've watched since my son was born that has a boy that disappears. So that might play a part as well. But I did get through it. I really, really did love both episodes. I think part of the reason it got to me is because it is so well made. Ali and the rest of the cast are all great. I don't really have any theories to offer yet. I think it, I was left too stunned to think of any. I definitely can't wait to hear your thoughts. Uh, and he says, P.S., since you are on with Heath, please make sure and tell him thank you for the high recommendation of Jack Ryan. I wish I would have hey. watched it sooner. It would have definitely oh, nice. made my top 10 of 2018. All right, Andy. Thanks, ah, Andy. No, it's very understandable when something hits yeah. hard at home. Like I, I don't blame him if he stopped watching just for those reasons. Uh, you know, because that's. I mean, when something affects you like that, it, you know, I, I guess I, I, uh, I have to be in the right mood for certain things too. I mean, uh, you know, there's certain things like not to bring up Dirty John again, but there's a there's a point where someone's in a hospital hooked up to tubes, and it reminds me of when I was in my accident when I was. 15 yeah, yeah. and it, and it hit me it hit me for a second it's been 20 something years but but then you know i got over it and so when you know i can imagine i mean you have a son uh it's you know i mean you're i mean being a yeah. filmmaker it you can kind of <laughs> go back and forth but you're yeah. still you're still human and andy's human and uh so i don't I, you know and plus he you know like you said it's it's done so well that it feels real that that's where you know so it's it's amazing, you know. I don't know if uh, people talk enough about. I mean, maybe we do, but like of how things can affect you. And it's yeah, it's just a TV show, but it's when you get sucked into this world, you can really, when, especially when you can relate or empathize or sympathize or be like, well, what if that happened to me? It's like whoa, you know. So uh, kudos though for him sticking with it, um, and hopefully, you know, I'm sure he will. But it's just. Yeah, man. It's, when stuff hits you like that, you just gotta you gotta 
press pause for a second and be like, is this worth it for me or not? <laughs> you know? Yeah. See, I think with this one, it didn't hit me too much with the kid um, because they didn't, we didn't spend too much time with the kids. And I kind of liked that. And I felt that that was maybe a little purposeful. You know, we could have had uh, two or three scenes where we get to know these kids better but we don't really know them at all. And I guess we might, we might get to know them. So that's why that didn't hit me too hard. But Andy, I know what Mm -hmm. you're talking about. When I first, when Lachlan was first born, like I couldn't watch anything that had kids in peril. And it's, and then you notice also how like everything has kids in peril. (laughs) Like, I know it's like kids and women, you know, it's always, I know it's tough. Like, like when I listen to the podcast, if I know it's going to be about it, I usually don't listen. To, yeah. I can't listen to it. It's, it's just, tough. I mean, I mean, I have nieces, and uh, you know, my sister's eight years younger than me. So you know, growing up, she, my little, so when it when it comes to stuff like that, it's just like, yeah, I mean, and thank God we feel that way, or else we'd right. have issues. That's you know? true, man. That's true. Uh, you know, so it's good to feel human and have things affect you. I mean, you know, sometimes you know. It's just, I don't know. I just, uh, it's good sometimes because it reminds you of things and it puts things in perspective, uh, with life. So yeah, man, that's true. It it can be tough. It can can be. be. Thank you, Andy, for writing in. And, uh, we definitely want feedback. So anytime anyone who's listening, email us dvrpodcast at gmail.com, dvrpodcast at gmail.com again, and tell us your thoughts and theories on True Detective. It doesn't have to be a theory. I don't, we don't have to do too many theories who done it. Just your thoughts and ideas on the show, little things that you notice, because that's what we like to pick up on. And of, again, you can find us at dvrpodcast.com. Become a patron at patreon.com slash DVR and on the Twitter at DVR podcast. Heath is Heath actor. I'm W Axel Foley. This has been daily DVR Wednesday. True detective. We got to come up with a name for it. What do you, what, what kind of a name could we have for it? Solo. Hmm. That's a good point. Listeners. Yeah. Give us some ideas. What could we kind of That's brand good, yeah. this? Yeah. Let's brand it. I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to do something. <laughs> but I will say this before we leave, Axel. Yeah. You know, I, I miss a lot of things. I miss True Detective a lot, but I'll tell you this. I also miss when Don't Get Killed is the only thing on my to-do list. Goddamn that right. Was from, that, <laughs> that was from the show. I know, so you know, I know. I did. Okay, I remember, okay. Man. I remember. I thought I you were like, Solo's you. going off the wagon. No, they had the whole Vietnam thing I love because that was so much a part of like cop shows and stuff like that when we were growing up. You know, there was mm-hmm. always the Vietnam vet. There was there was a mystery. Was homeless about, or yeah. yeah, yeah it was yeah. it was so much about it. Like and him being a certain type of guy who's who tracks and is I, I love that part of the show too. It's awesome, man. All right, we could go on and on, but anyone yeah. th- anyway, thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back again. I'll be back on Friday. I'm gonna be talking about movies that you should be looking forward to watching in twenty nineteen. And until then, peace out. Peace.